0: I felt like I should run on stage, but probably looked silly, so I didn't. Hey, before we, a couple things before I jump into what I really want to talk about today. Um, number one, uh, I just want to say thanks uh, for last week. I thought uh, our celebration of our fifth anniversary just was a great time together and a lot of energy in the room, a lot of excitement, and just thank you for that. Uh, if you weren't able uh, to be with us, uh, I'm sure it must have been something really important that would have kept you away or you were sick. Um, uh, There are DVDs of last week available, and so if you want to stop out at the uh, connection point and uh, pick one of those up, most importantly, I mean, the whole service is there, uh, which we don't normally do, uh, but um, I want you to make sure you hear the message, because we tried to kind of lay out a vision for where we're going to head in the next five years, and I want to make sure that that you're all aware of that and on board and headed in the same direction. So uh, stop out there and uh, pick one of those up and uh, take some time to watch it this week, and um, kind of catch up with where uh, what's happening around here if you missed last week. Secondly, I just want to kind of give you some background uh, in terms of where uh, this Radical series uh, came from and uh, why I'm pretty passionate about it and uh, looking forward to the next few weeks. It's actually my wife's fault, and um, she, uh, sometime early in the summer, uh, got her hands on this book, um, actually when we were at the convention, didn't you? You picked up a copy of this book called uh, Radical, and uh, she is a reader, and so she began to just read through the whole thing. And she said, Jeff, this is incredible. You've got to read this book. And um, I, I didn't want to read it at first. And uh, eventually I did pick it up, and I read a chapter or so, and I put it down. and Because uh, I thought, I don't want to read this. I, it makes me really uncomfortable. And so I put it away for a while. And uh, then I think early in the fall, we were headed on a trip somewhere. We were flying. And so I threw it in my bag and thought, meh, I'll read it on the plane. And um, I read the whole thing there and back, um, and there were some pretty uncomfortable moments and some moments where tears formed in my eyes as I thought about the things that I had read in this book. And so um, I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of this book. And out of this book has uh, grown this series. And uh, very seldom you know, if you've been around for a while, do you hear me endorsing books? Uh, And it is not that uh, we're promoting this book over the Bible, not at all. There are some incredible biblical truths that the author pulls out, and it's those biblical truths that we're going to look at uh, in the context of this series over the next few weeks. Uh, But I'd encourage you to get your own copy of this and read it. It will make you uncomfortable, but it will challenge you in a really good way, a God-honoring way. And so you you know, go to Amazon, or uh, actually in your weekly update, there's a website you can go to. I think you can buy it for like seven bucks. So uh, pick up a copy and uh, join me uh, in reading that book. So here we go. Um, you know, Jesus has offered all of us an invitation uh, simply to follow him. Uh, how many of you uh, grew up playing uh, follow the leader? You're like, yeah. Uh, you know, so we're, we're familiar with that game and it's kind of fun and wherever the leader does, you have to do. If he hops on one foot, you hop on one foot. And if he goes that direction, you turn that direction. And I discovered this week, much to my amazement, You can actually go online and there are actually printed rules and directions about how to play Follow the Leader. Now, wouldn't it seem like there really doesn't need to be a lot of rules to that and really directions about how to play Follow the Leader? But they're there if you need them. You can get those online. But I remember playing that game and it was just a lot of fun, right? Jesus has offered us an invitation to follow Him. And I'm afraid that oftentimes we treat following Jesus like it is little more than a fun game of Follow the Leader. But what if his invitation to follow was something much more radical? What if his invitation was about something that was much more of a passionate pursuit? What if we have been invited to run and we've compromised for walking? And so I want to explore this whole idea of what it looks like to live a radical life. I want to talk for a second about the African Impala, the animal, not the Chevy that you may, might have used to have driven. The African Impala is an incredible animal. If I understand reading this week correctly, an African Impala from just standing still can jump straight in the air about 13 feet. I mean, you'd like to have a guy like that on your basketball team, wouldn't you? 13 feet. Not only that, but from a standing still position, it can jump forward about 30 feet. The African Impala can run 60 miles an hour. It's an incredible animal that God created. But here's another incredible thing. You will find in a few zoos, the African impala is contained, is uh, in their cage, so to speak, and all that's there is a three-foot wall. Now imagine you didn't know what an African impala was capable of, and you're standing there with your elementary age child, you know, holding their hand, and suddenly you begin to read what it says about the African impala, and you realize there's just a three-foot wall between you and this animal that can jump. That would be frightening, wouldn't it? Until you understood another characteristic of the African impala. They will stay behind a three-foot wall because unless they can see where they are going, They won't jump or run. They're afraid of what's on the other side of that wall. And as long as the wall is there, they're not going anywhere. I think that following Jesus is like a series of jumps in our lives. And these jumps take us higher and they take us further. But a lot of us, maybe all of us at times, find ourselves behind a three-foot wall and we are afraid or maybe unwilling to jump into the life that God has designed for all of us to live. We're afraid to jump into the radical life that Jesus has called us to live. So I want to explore what it looks like to live this radical life. But I think there are some questions. There are some questions that often stand in the way of us living this radical life. They're big questions. They seem simple on the surface, but they're they are they're big questions. And they're questions that act as that wall sometimes. That keep us from jumping and running and leave us satisfied to just walk. The first question seems simple on the surface, but it's not. The first question is, am I going to believe Jesus? Simply... Do I believe what Jesus says and promises? Do I believe Jesus enough to embrace what he says even when what he says seems very radical? Am I going to believe Jesus? Do you realize that when Jesus was speaking to crowds of people in his day, he was very clear with them that following him was often very costly. And as the people in His day listened to what Jesus taught and heard Him explain that it was costly to follow, many of them said, that's too much. And they would turn and walk away. And so I have to decide, am I going to believe what Jesus says? Which really leads us to the second question that is even more challenging. Am I going to obey Jesus? When Jesus describes a life that is often costly cost us something? Am I willing to obey what He says? And even when Jesus, what Jesus is asking me to do seems radical, am I willing to obey? And so for the next few weeks, I want us to try to explore what it, this radical life actually looks like. Today I want to start by just trying to lay a foundation. And quite honestly, some of the issues that we'll talk about over the next few weeks may be some of the most challenging issues we have ever dealt with here. And I'm pretty confident they will make most of us uncomfortable. Because I know I have been made uncomfortable by them. But you know what? That's good. Because we can choose to to settle for the kind of Christian life that we've always lived, or we can choose to jump into this life that Jesus really designed us for. Well, let's explore what He says. If you brought your Bibles, and I hope you did, now, we're going to look in uh, Luke today, Luke chapter 9. And I don't know if you've kind of gotten out of the habit over these last few weeks about bringing your Bibles as we were dealing with marriage and all that stuff. But I want you to get back in the habit of bringing your Bible every week because I want you to see what the Bible says. It's not me saying it. It's not the church saying it. It's what Jesus says. And so I want you to see that for yourself. And so today, if you've got your Bible, open it to Luke chapter 9. And if you don't know where Luke is, it's in the New Testament part of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you get to the book of John, you've gone too far. We're going to be in chapter 9 and we're going to start in verse 57. This is a a conversation that Jesus is having with, maybe there are several people, but in particular we can see there are three guys. And the conversation is all wrapped around following Jesus and His invitation to follow. Now, realize it wasn't long before this, Jesus had fed 5,000 people with just a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. And actually probably it was a lot more people than that because typically they would have only counted the men and so probably it was more like feeding 10 to 15,000 people. So they've seen what Jesus is capable of. They're drawn to him because of his power and his majesty. And so they get into this conversation about following. Here's how this goes, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. He said to another man, Follow Me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Which seems like a reasonable request, doesn't it? Verse 62, Jesus replied, Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Wow. I mean, it seems harsh, doesn't it? I don't think so. When you honestly examine it, it's just honest. There's no sales job by Jesus here. Jesus is just clear. He's honest about what it means to really follow Him. He just lays it out. So let's take some time this morning to briefly unpack each conversation here. There's three of them. And to try to better understand what is exactly that Jesus is asking them to do and what is it that He then in the same thing would say and ask us to do. I think the first conversation here, the first guy, is a clear example of misplaced commitments. Misplaced commitment. This guy says to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere you go. Jesus says, sort of like, well, maybe that's great, but listen, I want to make sure you understand what that entails. Do you really understand what it means to follow Me? Jesus says, you need to understand. I'm not even guaranteeing that My followers will have the basic need of shelter. I mean, Jesus wasn't some kind of high-flying, stay-in-the-most-expensive-hotels kind of rabbi. Jesus says, following Me It's a bit risky. It's a little costly. It's going to cost you something. And there are no guarantees. This isn't a worldwide tour with a bunch of fans. It's costly. Maybe in our language, Jesus would have said something like this to us. He would have said, you know, your home and your furniture and that climate-controlled atmosphere and your automated kitchen And that surround sound entertainment center that many of us will put ourselves in front of later this afternoon, Jesus would have said, you know, here's what I want to know. Am I more valuable to you than any of that? Would you be willing to give up that stuff if you had to? If that's what it meant to really follow me? Jesus even had made this even more clear earlier. He was having another conversation again about what it really meant to follow Jesus. And he says this in, uh, back in chapter, still in chapter 9, back in verse 23. He said to them all, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if anybody wants to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's taking it to another level, isn't it? Pick up an instrument of torture. And follow me. Any takers? I wonder if he said that. You know, Any takers? Jesus' expectations, the level of commitment that he was asking for was very, was very high. I mean, think about other people in the New Testament that Jesus invited to follow him. There were fishermen that he asked them to abandon their careers. There were others he asked them to abandon their possessions. Others, he invited them to follow, but he said, you're going to have to leave the comforts of your home. And there were still others that following Jesus meant risking their lives. That's the kind of level of commitment that Jesus was looking for. There's an old uh, fable about a guy who owned a house. He wanted to sell his house, and his asking price, though, was fairly high. There was a gentleman who was interested in purchasing the house, but he didn't have enough money to pay the asking price. And so they bargained back and forth, and they came up with a deal that worked for both of them. He would sell the house at a lesser price, but this owner would, arra- would continue to own one nail that hung at the top of the door frame of the front door. And that was the bargain they agreed to. So the deal was made, and the guy moved into his house. A couple of years later, the original owner came back to this guy and said, you know, I'd really like to buy my house back. He said, no, I'm not interested. I want to keep it. He still had ownership, though, of that one nail that hung above the door. And so he went out and he found the dead carcass of an animal and he hung it on the nail that he still owned. And you can guess what happened. It wasn't long before that house was pretty much uninhabitable. And the second owner decided he would gladly sell it back. When we think about following Jesus, I, I think our conversation that happens in our minds goes something like this: You know, Jesus, I want to follow, and I, I'm glad for you to have certain parts of my life. You, you can have this part, and you can have this part, and you can have ownership and leadership over those parts. But you know, there there is this one area. I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to ownership of it, and that one area that we hold on to, or maybe it's. A few areas that we want to retain ownership of becomes the place that gives Satan the opportunity to hang the dead carcass of sin. And our whole life is overcome by the pungent smell of of that sin. It invades every part. Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow Me, it's not a partial commitment kind of thing. It's a, are you all in? It's a total commitment that I'm looking for. And when we hear that, we have to ask those two questions. Do I believe Jesus? And am I willing to obey what He says? The second guy here, the second conversation, I think is a great example of misplaced priorities. Jesus says to this guy, why don't you to follow me? And then there is this very interesting conversation about funerals. And at first glance, as you read Jesus' response to this man who says, I want to go home and bury my father, it would seem that Jesus' response is really unreasonable, isn't it? But culturally, you need to understand probably what really the conversation was all about. It is quite unlikely culturally that this man would have been out interacting with Jesus had his father already died. Jewish practice would have dictated that he would have been in a state of mourning and wouldn't have been out in public interacting with Jesus. Most likely, what really happens here is this man is indicating to Jesus, my father is still living and I'm part of the family business. And for me to leave right now, this family business would be very inconvenient. And so I need to, I need to stay with my father right now. And when the day comes that he dies and I bury him and I take over the family business and I'm in control, then it will be convenient. Then my schedule will line up better. How about I come and follow you when that happens? And Jesus, by His response, really says, No, no. it's not about you waiting until it's convenient. It's not about waiting until you know, your schedule works out so that it's no inconvenience to follow me. Now Jesus says, if you're going to follow Me, then I have to rise to the level of your top priority. I've got to rise to the place where I become most important in your life. You've got to get to the place where you're willing to put Me above everything else. And you as I think about my own life and maybe as you think about your life, doesn't it seem like there are an awful lot of things that we have, for one reason or another, seemed to have made a bigger priority, a greater passion, a higher calling than following Jesus. I, I thought of so many examples this week. In my life, maybe in your life. But as I thought of each of those examples and was going to share them, I thought, you know what? I- I'm afraid all they'll hear is that example and they'll get defensive about that one thing in their life and you know we'll put up the walls and say, you know, yeah, Jeff, but you don't understand. And we get caught up in that one thing and we missed the bigger issue here. And the bigger issue is that Jesus, when he invited us to follow, said, I gotta be first place. And the truth is you don't need me to give examples today because you already you're thinking right now of things that you've made a little higher on the priority list sometimes than you've made Jesus. And again, we have to ask those two questions. Do I believe Jesus? And am I going to obey Jesus? I think this third conversation is a pretty good example of misplaced focus. Listen again to what happens here. Verse 61. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The phrase that Jesus used "this therefore looks back is the idea of being fully focused on what's behind. I mean, can you imagine if somebody were to try plowing a field and they spent all their time looking behind them? What would that look like? I mean, you know what it's like. Maybe you're better at this than I am, but I know what happens when I'm driving and I try to look in the back seat at something. doesn't matter how many times mentally I say, keep the car straight. As soon as I get in the back seat, you know, I'm, I'm veering off to the right side. It's dangerous. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be fully focused on where I'm leading. You can't let your focus be diverted to other things. You can't be looking behind you. You can't be looking in other directions. You just got to focus on me, and you got to see where where I'm leading you. I am. I, I think we describe ourselves, who we are, what we do, in a variety of different ways. You know, if, if you begin to describe yourself, sometimes you talk about yourself in terms of your your role in relationships. You know, I'm a I'm a parent. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Or maybe you would describe yourself in terms of what you do. I'm a a teacher. I'm a salesman. I'm a firefighter. I'm a cop. Or maybe you would describe yourself in terms of where you live. I'm a Floridian. I'm an American. Jesus says when it comes to being focused and following Him, He wants to remind us that our primary role in life are the thing that tells about who we are most is that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a follower of Jesus Christ first and foremost. I'm a follower of Jesus who also happens to be a parent and a husband and who happens to live in Florida. But more than anything else in life, I am a follower of Jesus. Matthew Henry, who writes a lot of commentaries about the Bible, wrote this one day. He said, "...the calling of God ought to be preferred without any question before all the duties that we owe to man. It's about focusing on the call of Jesus. Jesus would have said it this way. He did say it this way. He said, put your hand to the plow and focus on where I'm leading you. Focus on just following Me. And again, we have to ask those same two questions. Do I believe Jesus? Am I willing to obey Him? You see, I think this takes us to a dangerous reality in our lives. Because if you study the Bible and you listen to what Jesus teaches, it becomes really apparent that we may actually be asked by Him to abandon everything else to follow. And it becomes clear That He has invited us to love Him in such a way that it puts our love for Him above every other relationship. And it is possible that He could ask us to sell everything and give it to the poor. And the list goes on. And you know what? We don't like any of those things. We don't really want to believe that they are there because they make us very uncomfortable. We don't like what that would mean in our lives if we're honest. And so we have taken the Jesus of the Bible, and we have sort of twisted him to become a Jesus that we are more comfortable with. Sort of a nice middle-class American Jesus. Who is very comfortable with our kind of wishy-washy commitments. Who's very comfortable with us kind of having different priorities at times. But that's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible, when He invited us to follow, wanted to know whether or not we'd put Him at the top of the list. You see, it forces us to ask another important question. Am I willing to abandon everything else if I have to? To follow Jesus. Is following Jesus enough for me? Could just following Jesus satisfy me? Do I believe Him and what He says enough that I am willing to do what He says? Or will I continue to stand behind the three foot wall and just walk? You were created to run. We've been invited to follow Jesus. We've been invited into a radical life. And I'd say this morning, let's follow. Let's run. And let's experience the abundant life that He wants to give us as we really follow Him. Now that's just the foundation. And today I lay just the foundation because until we've struggled through some of those things and we're really asking ourselves those questions, do I believe Jesus? Am I willing to obey Him? Is He enough to satisfy me? Until we can wrestle around with those questions a little bit, we're not really ready to talk about the things that we'll talk about in the coming weeks. Because in the coming weeks, we're going to be much more practical and pull out some things that Jesus says really make up this radical life of following Him. And they'll challenge us. They will. They have me. And they'll make us uncomfortable. I mean, they really will. But it's the life that Jesus called us to, and it is worth being uncomfortable about. It is worth it. So I want to challenge us this week to just take some time. I mean, really, to wrestle with those questions. Do I believe Jesus? Am I really willing to obey Him? And then next week we'll begin to flesh out what that really looks like in our lives. Let's pray together. God, I thank You. I thank You for the way that You have challenged me in these past months. And God, you you know, and I confess before these people and before you again today that I, I don't have this all figured out. I don't have this all together in my life, and I'm not always every day following Jesus like I need to. And Father, I'm guessing there are other people in this room that would admit that to you right now as well. But God, I'm asking you today and over the course of the next several weeks and really from now till eternity. Would you work in my life and in our lives? To challenge us, God every day to really ask, do I believe Jesus and am I willing to obey? God, I don't want to be content to live my life behind the three-foot wall. I want to jump. I want to run like you were created me to do. So God, work in us. Change us. Help us to see what this radical life really looks like. And then God, help us to live it. In Jesus' name I pray.